0: Morning. Is we usually have maybe someone playing an acoustic guitar about here, maybe someone singing some vocals here, a piano, or something like that. And that's how we traditionally enter into and start our worship service. Today, we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to take some time and read from the word to use that to enter our heart, help prepare our hearts, and to hear from Keir's going to share today about forgiveness and reconciliation. And so, to just prepare ourselves. We're just going to have some different folks read from the word. And so I'm excited to do this. It gives a couple of different reasons for us to just change things up. One is to just prepare our minds that, hey, we don't have to have uh, music to enter in. Maybe you might find yourself like me, not musically inclined. And you say, oh, I I need some aspect of that. It's absolutely wonderful to be able to have that capability to be able to do it. Um, But there are a number of ways that we can enter into worship. And so just to take some joy in that this morning. So I'm going to start by welcoming Brenda up, who is going to read.
1: Good morning. Can you guys hear me? (laughs) I'm just going to read some verses that have been encouraging me throughout my life. Um, The first one is from Isaiah 40, verse 28 to 31. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? This other one is is a little bit long. It's Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Uh, You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are you? Are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. way everlasting.
0: Thank you, Brenda. Bruce is going to read from Psalm 121, I think, and share. Good morning.
2: Before I'm going to read, I'm going to just share a couple of short stories. Last Tuesday night, Stella and I were a little bit west of somebody National Park, and we were going to drive to our the Miners Inn, and we put the address into our GPS, and for some reason it didn't find it, but there were other addresses on the same highway in the same town. They didn't seem real close, but I thought we could probably just drive and find it. Still, I thought I should call the inn, but I thought oh, we'll just try to find it. So we followed the GPS and then we ended up in the middle of nowhere. I think it maybe led us to some house way out of town. So oh, we weren't sure which way to go, but I thought, okay, maybe we should call the inn but we didn't get cell service where we're at, so we drove a little more, and we found a gas station. I thought maybe the people at the gas station can direct us, but they were closed, and our cell we still didn't get cell service, and I was uh, i was tired and feeling a little frustrated and a little foolish, and for some reason, you know, you know Psalm 121, it starts out, it says, I'll lift up my eyes to the mountains, and when shall my help? My help comes from the Lord, and I didn't think about praying for some reason, but Stella did, and she prayed, and then shortly later, she thought of searching a different way in the GPS, and then we were able to get information, and the GPS directed us to our hotel, so we were very thankful for God helping us, and then a few mornings later, I was having my quiet time, and I decided to walk out onto the balcony to pray. And when I walked out on the balcony, I was like, wow, this is a really nice view of the mountains off in the distance. And I thought of uh, Psalm 121. And somebody in Great Commission churches had written a song about Psalm 121, which we sang many years ago. And I'm not going to sing it, but I, I sang it before the Lord, you know, by myself, and About the time I finished singing it, I noticed that the sun was just peeking over the mountains. And so I went and got Stella to come out and see too. And I was just really thanking God for this awesome view. And then when we checked out of the inn, I told the clerk, you know, there was a really great view from our balcony. And I went out and the sun was coming up over the mountains. And I I told him, I just really thank God for letting us see this awesome view. So now I'll read Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever.
0: Thank you, Bruce. It's an awesome story and Appreciate your humility in sharing about your, um, your journey there and, and just enjoy the end that came from it. Jane's going to also share here from Proverbs today.
3: Good morning. So I too have a story, but it's short. So you guys know that the Bible is translated in other languages. And the Bible's chapter I'm going to read for you. I first learned it in my language. And uh, there's a song about it, Trust in the Lord with All Your Heart. I won't sing it because the tune in my language is different. But I remember as a seven-year-old girl, I would stand on a platform in my dad's field and scream on top of my voice. And I would feel like heaven is here in me. So I would sing that song to heaven. And, you know, I had, it was a platform in a cornfield. I had made a slide down a hill. So once I'm done singing, the sun would be down it would be dark because we don't have twilight it's light and the next moment it's dark so you know it would be so scary to run through a cornfield when the sun's down so what i would do is i would be singing the song loudly trusting the lord with all your heart until i get home so it's very funny because even in my adulthood when you know when things are tough or even when something really great has happened i still sing that song in my mind So the scripture is Proverbs chapter 3, I'll read from verse 1 to 12. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. It reads, My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and abundant welfare they will give you. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and of people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. My child, do not despise the Lord's discipline, or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves the one he loves, as a father, the son in whom he delights. And I'm going to sneak in verse 19 and 20. The Lord, by, his, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge... The dips broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. So when you have time, I hope you can just go back and read uh, the rest of the scripture. It has a lot. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Jane. I just It's very encouraging to hear how impactful the word is on everyone's life. So I appreciate and thank you guys for stepping in and reading for us this morning. And I'd like to just transition now and take a couple of minutes in prayer um, so you can take your Take your time at your seat and I'll I'll close us and just think on these scriptures, meditate on them, and just bring your heart for the rest of the word to be shared this morning. God, we thank you. We thank you for the richness of your word and and just how it impacts our lives, God, and also how it enriches our worship back to you, God, that um, as we speak the truth that is withheld in it, God, that you are magnified because you are good and you are holy and righteous. God, we come together as a congregation today to enjoy Your Word and and to hear from it, God, and have it impact our lives, that we may listen to it and respond in uh, faithfulness, God, to Your direction uh, that is in it. God, we pray for Kier as He brings the message that be that we not see His words, God, that we uh, we see Your truth uh, through Him. We just thank you for the time that He has taken to prepare this morning. Amen.
4: Morning, everybody. Good to see you all. And for those of you that are online, I'm glad you're there too. So, as David mentioned, we're going to be continuing our New Life series that we're doing for this summer. And a couple weeks ago, David outlined some of the things we're going to be talking about, and he talked more about identity our identity and you know, last week Brian shared more about woundedness and if you didn't if you weren't here or you didn't get a copy of his outline because I wasn't here and I got a copy and it's really some really good stuff in there so I encourage you to try to get that you could see me or see Brian if you want that but today we're going to be talking about forgiveness and reconciliation so if we could just I know we just pray but just pray for me call me down <laughs> Dear God, thank you for this morning. Thanks for this chance to talk about forgiveness and reconciliation. Lord, it is your story. It is all through the Bible. It is your heart because we have broken this world in so many different ways. Lord, it's your heart that we learn how to forgive and that we be a part of reconciliation. So I pray that as we leave here today that we'll have something to take away to think about and try to have you help us with this week in those areas and we pray these things in Jesus' name. All right, so so you might be wondering, so forgiveness and reconciliation, what are we talking about? Are we talking about God's forgiveness and reconciliation or what we should be doing for one another? And the answer is yes and yes. So you covered it whichever way you were guessing we were going to go. And so it's good to start off with some definitions So let's just define forgiveness. So forgiveness is disposition or willingness to pardon a wrong, an offense, or a sin. It's the cancellation or remission of an obligation, a debt, or a penalty. Reconciliation is a little bit different. Reconciliation is renewal of friendship or a relationship after a disagreement or enmity. Now, I planned to ask the little kids this morning a little bit more about what the, what does forgiveness look like, but they're not here, so I can't do that. So I'll just jump in. So if you look on the screen, you'll see there is a little bit of a glare, but there's a board game called Sorry. And one of my sons found this Pokemon version, which I didn't know even existed. Found this in a thrift store. It's like 20 years old, which, even blows my mind even more. But I remember playing this game when I was a kid with my sister. My sister had it and if you're not familiar with it, basically it's a board game and the objective is to move your four little tokens around the perimeter of the board. And along the way your opponents have the either by drawing a card or rolling the dice and landing on the same block that you're on, they have the ability to sends you back to the beginning of the game, to home. And I didn't even notice this before. If you look really closely on the little board game, it says the, the, what does it say? I can't read it. it. It's Ultimate Game of Revenge or something like that. So I distinctly remember as a kid playing this with my sister, and I would move the piece around, and if I got one that I was going to knock her off, I was like, sorry, and like literally throw their piece across the room. (laughs) So, my point in bringing that up is sometimes sorry isn't sincere. And so, we should really like, I want to really encourage, especially the kids, if those of you at home, I know some of you are at home out there, but I really encourage you to not only say, I'm sorry, but to add, will you forgive me? Because that not only helps. It not only helps the person know that you really mean what you're saying, but it also helps you to think about, Do I re- am I really sorry, or am I just saying sorry because Mom and Dad told me to? So, anyway, so forgiveness is when one person chooses to say, I'm going to let go of this thing. I'm going to release you and myself for, and the bad feelings I might have towards you for this offense that you've done. And, But forgiveness doesn't mean that there aren't any consequences for that infraction. We are really just moving ourselves away from trying to be the judge for what should happen because of what happened, because of this offense. We're just stepping out and removing ourselves from that position. And the illustration, I'm trying to think of how I could draw a picture of this, would be like a football game. And somebody runs in and, you know, either they make an illegal hit or a late hit, some kind of <clears throat> offense. The guy who gets clobbered, he can shake it off and could be like, okay, it's part of the game, or I forgive this guy for doing that. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be a 15-yard penalty, which is assessed by the referee who is the ultimate judge and how that's going to unfold. And I think for a lot of people, that's a real hang-up with forgiveness is that we, we get hung up. We don't want to let go. Of this offense we want to hold on to because we want to somehow control what happens to this other person for what they've done to us. So I think we just need to keep that in mind. Now reconciliation is the restoration of a relationship back to a harmonious state after some kind of dispute. And the kind of difference between forgiveness, one person can forgive another and not be the end of it, but reconciliation you really need you need two people or or more to be involved so what are some key ingredients that we need to see both for forgiveness and reconciliation to happen what do we need to be and I I'd like to suggest that we need to be humble and we need to be attentive to God's voice and we need to be willing to work to work through these things and I just want to say right here that I want to acknowledge that this might be extremely difficult There are a lot of hurts, and there are a lot of conflicts that are really deep, and I don't mean to imply that this is simple, easy as a piece of cake, easy as pie, whatever expression you want to use. This this is um, something that takes effort. And to start off, okay, how do we foster humility in our lives? So I wanted to look at Joseph's life to start off with. So in Genesis, I'm gonna look at several different little verses. I think most everybody knows Joseph's story in Egypt, but if you haven't, that would be a great to jump into Genesis and just reread or read or reread through the story. But we'll see that this first quote is from Joseph himself. He's been he's being pursued to be in an immoral relationship with Potiphar's wife, and he says No one is greater in this house than I am. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And when it says no one is greater, it doesn't mean he's proud. I'm the greatest. It means no one has more authority in this house than I do, besides Potiphar. And I'm humbling myself to not step into some place that that I don't belong. And later on, he's brought before pharaoh to answer pharaoh's question about what this prayer of the fat and skinny cows what's the, what's the meaning of it and he makes it clear to again remaining humble he makes it clear to pharaoh that he says i cannot do it i can't interpret but god will give pharaoh the answers he desires and then right after that when god uses joseph to interpret joseph pharaoh asks him what what's the course of action? What do do I do? And Joseph says, find the wisest man and put him in charge. And then he lists all these things that the wisest man in charge should do. Clearly pointing that he's the wisest man and he is appointed in that position, but he he keeps himself humble. He doesn't ever assume that people will, you know, he has to tell them that he is who he is. We can also see humility in Jesus' life. Jesus, while he was, just before he was going to be arrested and on trial and crucified he's in the garden and they come to arrest him and some of his disciples try to stop it from happening but Jesus says do you think that I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way So Jesus offered his humility here because he knew it was the only way to reconcile us to God. Jesus demonstrated the ultimate humility even when he was entitled to the ultimate honor and power. So how about in our lives? In Philippians, we're encouraged to reflect on kind of what I just shared about Jesus. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Also in Isaiah, we see... God says, these are the ones that I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Another reason to be in his word is so that we can tremble at it and be aware of his, our position. And so how do we listen for and respond to God's direction? Well, I'd like to, us to look at Jacob. Jacob's moved back home. I call it. It's Genesis 31, and God tells, God says to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and your relatives and I will be with you. Now, since I don't have any little kids here this morning to ask, I'm going to have to ask you guys, why did Jacob even leave his original home? What, what caused him to go away? Does anybody remember the story of that with Jacob? Can I get anybody a call out? <laughs> Right, right. So he, he stole his brother Esau's birthright and his blessing. And because of this, I mean, they were all mad. Well, everybody but his mother were mad at him. And so he feared for his life and he left. And now many, many years have gone by and God's telling, he's listening to God and God tells him, you need to go back. And so that was not going to be an easy thing to do. In fact, he decides he's going to do it, but it, it's it's a lot to, to to coordinate, and and he ends up he ends up well. Let me just read it, um, chapter 32, verse six. He he sends uh, messengers ahead of ahead of him as he goes to kind of make the way and kind of hopefully hopefully everything's going to be okay when he gets back. And the messengers go and they tell Esau that Jacob's coming and everything, and they then they report back to Jacob. They say. We went to your brother Esau, and now he's coming to meet you with 400 men. So in great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people. Then Jacob prayed, O God, O Lord, you said to me, Go back to your country and relatives, and and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. Save me from the hand of my brother." So he's trying to obey. He's trying to respond, but man, he is scared and doesn't know what to make of his brother and 400 men coming back for him. (laughs) We'll come back to him in a minute. I'd just like to revisit Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane again, because even Jesus had to listen and respond to God. As he was facing this really difficult moment, he he, he cries out to God, he prays to God, he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I I, I I, want your will to be done, not mine. So even though he knew this was his mission from the very beginning, he still had to have this conversation back and forth with God. And, he, and then God answered him and an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. And then he prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. And, and back to us on this. Jesus tells us in Matthew, he says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come back and offer your gift. This shows how important reconciliation is to God. It's more important than even worship of Him. And I would just say, if you are prompted, if God tells you to go, then just go and leave the outcome to God. Many years ago, Michelle and I had a hard, broken relationship with someone. And if you had been in our life group at that period of time, you probably would have, Heard about it every week. At least I found out years later. I was talking to some really good friends, and they like asked, "How's it going?" And like I didn't even realize like every week I would bring this up. Like I had this, we have this thing going on, this this broken relationship. We know it's not right. We want to do the right thing. We don't know what to do. And we that was like our our prayer request for a long time. Anyway, eventually, Sean and I both felt like we just need to go to these people and. See and ask for their forgiveness. We didn't even think we had done anything wrong. We didn't know what what it was, but we went to them, and we basically just said, hey, we know something's obviously not right, and we just asked that you forgive us for whatever, and we didn't even, as it happened for us, it might not be this way for you if you're called to this, but we didn't even have to get into like nitty-gritty specific things. It was just that general apology, that general request for forgiveness was was all it took for things to kind of start to turn. And so, anyway, I would just encourage you, if you ever feel God's voice speaking to, to do something like that, it might not look the same, but I encourage you to do that. So now there's the be willing to work part. Be willing to put forth effort as I mentioned, Jacob, he moves back home. He's headed to move back home. And to give you some idea of um, the effort he had to, to make, I'll just read an excerpt from Genesis. It says this is the, the gift he's bringing to his brother. This isn't like all his stuff. This is just what he's giving away. It says he selected a gift for his brother Esau, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, and 20 rams. 30 female camels, and they're young. I don't know how many that would be, but 40 cows and 10 bulls and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. So that's the gift. And then he also brought his two wives, his two females, their two female servants, his 11 sons, and they crossed the ford of Jabuk, And then he sent over all his possessions. So that's quite an effort. I was thinking... Over the last couple of weeks, at Benby had a lot to coordinate with getting 40 people and four, five or six cars and food and uh, housing and everything to go from here to Jacksonville, but I'm afraid that Jacob hadn't beat as far as the effort, although we all really appreciate it, Ben. Thank you out there. I hope you're watching. Anyway, it took effort, and but what was the benefit of this obedience? Jacob is reconciled with Esau. In Genesis 33 we read, As his brother approached, Jacob bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. So Jacob's humility to God and Esau, his listening to God, and the efforts he made to come home, along with whatever changes that occurred in Esau, all those combined for their relationship to be restored. And that must have pleased God so much. And in Joseph's life, which actually is connected to what I just said, it's not that far away um, relationally, we need to look at how Joseph worked. So Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He's taken to Egypt as a slave. Potiphar becomes his master. And Potiphar sees, Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph, and that the Lord gave Joseph success in everything he did. And so Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. And we know that that only lasted for a time, and then Joseph was thrown into jail. But immediately in jail, the warden puts Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there, And the warden, it says, paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. And then lastly, in looking at all these responsibilities that Joseph had during his time in Egypt, Joseph even says of himself that God made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. So do you think that that was easy? I mean, some of you all are administrators or so you administer tasks or people or you know all kinds of things at work or you run a household where you're managing you know the education and the health and fitness and everything of your family all these affairs it's a lot of work it's a lot of work but and i realized that in joseph's care that God gave favor so that he got a jump start to even get in these positions, but still he had all this work to do. But what was the end result? When Joseph's brothers come and they need his help, and he finally reveals himself to them, he says, I am your brother Joseph, the one that you sold into, sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you so God loves relationships and he loves to restore them and in this case he worked in all those years with Joseph in Egypt he worked not only to save lives but to bring about this reconciliation to Joseph's family so what about us I know you might be thinking hey Kier, a lot of this just sounds like work it doesn't sound very spiritual but I just want to share these examples from the Bible because I feel like we can relate with these stories, stories of workplaces and families that are not the way God would want them to be as far as how we interact with one another. They're not functioning as they could because of sin. But in the midst of all that, God is at work, and he's imploring us to forgive in the cases where forgiveness is needed that we're involved with. And he's also asking us to... Help others to be reconciled with one another. Let's be willing to work. In Ephesians 4, we're encouraged by Paul. He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Think of it as you have the opportunity every day if you can get that habit in your in your life that you don't you aren't angry with somebody when you go to bed that you don't give the devil a foothold that you can like frustrate the devil every single day what a, what a good feeling that would be you know and the verse continues make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit binding yourselves together with peace make every effort means let's not do things half-heartedly let's this is going to be hard. This is going to take effort. Let's, let's work at it. And finally, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. And Brian shared with me this phrase that, I think it's a way to remember it. Forgiveness is a promise to not bring up an, a, a forgiven offense to myself, to the offended one, or to someone else. Just don't bring it up. And if you want to be a part of seeing forgiveness and reconciliation, I just really encourage you to ask God to help you to be humble, help you to be attentive in listening to his voice, and help you to be willing to work and put forth effort. And ask other Christians to help you with that too. God loves relationships and he loves to see them restored. He loves to see forgiveness and reconciliation. And remember, God doesn't want reconciliation with him to end with you. Second Corinthians says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And what is that ministry? The ministry is that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting people's sins against him. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal Through us and we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God so let's just pray Lord God thank you so much for caring about your creation for caring about forgiveness and reconciliation and for wanting to include us in being a part of that process help us to build habits into our life help us to to work hard and to just continue listening to your voice so we know what to do to be a part of that. And we just thank you for being the kind of God that you are and thank you for all these things in Jesus' name.
5: Sorry, when I heard a couple weeks ago that we were able to share scripture verses, I immediately thought of the verses that I've been working on. I know some of you know that I've, um, in the past have um, worked on memorizing some books of the Bible and just so you know that scripture memory is not easy for me I'm just stubborn and persistent so the scripture verse that I'm going to be sharing is from 1st John I have been working on 1st John for the past two years so as you can tell, scripture memory is not easy for me. I'm just persistent um, and refuse to give up. So I don't. I am still working on First John. I hope to have First John memorized, um, hopefully by the beginning of next year. So maybe next year I can share all of First John with you. But for today. Well, they only said I had three minutes, but I noticed that we still have a little bit of time. So I'm trying to decide whether to start at the beginning, which is where I always start, or if I should start at Chapter 2, which is where I was planning on starting. But since we have a little bit extra time, it really feels wrong to start in the middle of the book. I mean, you start at the beginning. So, uh, So we'll see. I have my cheat cards here, and I'm holding the microphone, which I've not held the microphone. I've always had the speaker, so this should be an interesting run. So, you know, let's see what we have. I am going to go ahead and start from the beginning just because that's it just seems the best way to do it. All right, and we'll see how far I can get. I will keep track of the time, so I won't go too long. I mean, yeah. All right just enjoy the word of God. That which was from the beginning, which we have seen, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim what we have seen and heard so that you also May have fellowship with him, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. If we claim to have fellowship with God, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the precious blood of Jesus as some purifies us from all sins. If we claim we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. We know that we know him. If we obey his commands, any man who says, I know him, but does not keep his commands, he is a liar and the truth is not in us. But if we obey God's word, His God's love is truly made complete in us. This is how we know we live in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you've had from the beginning. This old command is the message which you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. its truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. If we claim to be in the light yet hate our brother, we are still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother is in the light, lives in the light and there's nothing in him to make him stumble. Whoever hates his brother is still in the darkness, and he walks around in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father, I write to you, fathers. Because you have known Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world nor things of the world. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and his boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and all its desires will pass away, but the man who does the will of God. God lives forever dear friends this is the last hour and as you have heard many that the antichrist is coming and even now many antichrists have come this is how we know it is the last hour they went out from us but they never really belonged to us if they had belonged to us they would have remained with us but their going showed that none of them belong to us But you have received the anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. I do not write you because you do not know the truth but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man that denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son, Father also. See that what you have learned remains in you, if it remains in you, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father, and this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I write these things to you so that you will not stumble. I write these things to you so that you will not stumble. Um, As for you, the anointing you received remains in you, and you have no need of anyone to teach you, but as that anointing is real, not counterfeit just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him so that we, when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed at his coming. If we, know that he is, if we know that he is coming, if we know that he is righteous, we know that anyone who does what is right has been born of him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are shoot that's the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know God dear friends now we are children of God but what we will be has not yet been made known but we know That when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law and affects sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. No one. Who lives in him will keep on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear friends, I write these things to you so that you will not be led astray. He who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning since the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will keep on sinning. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. And that's all I'm going to do today, sorry. Let's close in prayer. Oh, Father, I thank you for your love and kindness, your grace and your mercy, Lord. Oh, Lord, as I'm thinking about those verses, Father, it's just so much about your love and your desire for us to love you. Lord, I pray that you just... um, let your words all the words of you spoken today father so much of your word was spoken today father i pray that your word just settles deep and strong in our hearts and that it bubbles out in our actions and words this week father I pray for your grace and mercy lord we definitely need it thank you jesus Amen.